Hello everybody and welcome back to Mentors. Right now we are continuing our interview with Havataha. Last we left off, she was talking about her time at Hewlett Packard. In her time there, she quickly built a long-lasting culture shift that provided her opportunities that she would not have even thought of. Now, we're about to dive into the concept of positive affirmations and the increasing popular idea of the law of attraction. Later on, we'll be learning about Hala's marketing strategy for her podcast. And if we have any other podcasters or journalists in the audience, Hala has some amazing advice over interviewing people, ranging from in-depth research to how to handle opposing opinions with your guests. All of these pieces of advice have been compiled into a free resource article titled Top of the Line Interviewing and Personalized Marketing, The Secret Sauce to Yap's Success, for you in the bio below. And with that, let's jump back into the interview. Yeah, I mean, not only did you take on the work that no one else really wanted to do at times, you're like, yeah, if you need help, I got you. You went out and you sought your own, you, you're like, hey, what does the, what does the company need? And you looked around, saw that young people were kind of, you know, keeping their head down and kind of scared of the environment. You're like, I can help you and setting up the picnics. And I didn't know about some of the cakewalk stuff and the picnics. And that's really cool. Like, and I feel like you really did have a huge mind sh- mindset shift. Uh, in your college years, something that um, I've been learning from my friend Trey Cockrum, he's fantastic, um, is he doesn't call it the law of attraction, but uh, it is the law of attraction. It's, you know, these affirmations, these visuals that you give yourself. And when you were 19, that's what you really got into. And yeah. honestly, for you personally, what were those What were those beginning affirmations? What were those beginning visuals? And what did you want to manifest for yourself? Because a lot of people think it's a woo-woo magic topic, but yeah. it's not. And it really builds on top of each other. Yeah. So I would say before I was like in college, I was, I was pretty average, right? Um, I, I was really good at singing, but, um, other than that, like I was like a B student, like nothing spectacular. I would try out for like the cheerleading team in high school. Didn't make it. I try out for the talent show. They didn't let me be on, even though I had the best voice in school, but maybe it was some aura about me that they didn't put me on. Um, I tried out for the volleyball team. I didn't make it. So it's like all these things. Like you would think that I would have grown up being like, I can't do anything because nobody ever picks me. Right. Um, when I was 19, I discovered, um, Abraham and Esther Hicks, and, um, they were a lot of books about the law of attraction. And I would listen to their tapes on repeat. And it really helped transform my mind because I started to realize that like what I think I believe and anything that I believe I could eventually achieve. And so I would just write down everything that I wanted. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be um, in the entertainment business. I wanted to be in radio. I wanted to um, you know, land a great internship. I, I wanted to have a great love life. I wanted to have great friends. I wanted to you know, be successful. And at that point in my life, when I started kind of like turning my energy around and focusing on positive things and really believing that I could do anything I wanted, I, you know, landed the lead in the play in college. I was, you know, on the executive board of my sorority. I was the co-captain of our cheerleading team. I was like, did so many things. And that was because I actually believed in myself. And then I've, of course, landed that internship at Hot 97 and ended up like getting promoted to work in the actual studio area. And I, as like a 20 year old, I had like the coolest job ever. I was meeting celebrities every day. Um, I was hanging out with celebrities. I dated Chris Brown. (laughs) 
for a hot minute. Oh, oh, I, did. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. So it's just like lots of <laughs> yeah. things, you know, that I have so many stories and, and really it just, that's when everything just started to escalate. And, and then I never like looked back. It was like the old hollow was gone and it was just this new positive hollow that could do anything. And that got so many different opportunities. And I think it's really about a mindset shift. And I think it's about shifting your energy and shifting your confidence. It's like, I actually became more confident because I believed in myself. And I think that's the key there. It's actually getting that confidence. I think that I probably was talented when I was younger. I was not confident. And so it was not until I actually believed in myself. Um, and then I, I interviewed John Asaraf, who was like a, an expert in the field of law of attraction and this kind of stuff. And he told okay. me that yeah, he told me that the way, the reason why scientifically the law of attraction works is because you bombard your sub subconscious mind with these positive affirmations and your subconscious mind and your conscious mind can't tell the difference between what's reality and what what's not reality. So when you either wow. write the same things down over and over again, when you listen to the same things over and over again, when you, um, you know, take action towards the same things and visualize the same things over and over again, you start to train your subconscious mind that, that the thing that is actually not here yet is, is here and your subconscious mind believes it. And then you end up making decisions that will impact yeah. you in a positive way towards the thing that you were thinking about and that you want. So it's, it's actually, um, you know, retraining your brain to think differently and to believe in yourself and, and whatever goals that you have. That is really cool. Like, again, I've just barely scratched the surface about learning about these type of things. And just to hear from you, like, hey, here's how it works scientifically. Here's how it worked for me. Here's the big takeaways I had is honestly really, really enlightening. It gives me a lot more courage to kind of enter that because like you are, you're mentally, you know, beating up your uh, subconscious saying, hey, everything you assume negatively about yourself is wrong. And here's how we're going to change it. I just think it's so cool. And I'm excited to dive more into it on my own time. Something really cool that you have been able to do um, that I've seen that you don't really, I haven't really seen you talk about a lot on other episodes or other articles that I've seen about you is, you know, your sheer like marketing finesse. You have some serious marketing skills. It's something I admire right when I saw you on LinkedIn. Honestly, I saw a bunch of the colors and I was like, I was like, who drew her guests? That is so <laughs> cool. And like, I, that's why I just like, you know, I fell in love with your work because of how bright and how colorful it was and how unique it was. So, you know, in those, in you exploded. In, ter like in terms of how uh, young your podcast was into what it is now. And like, I really want to know in those beginning months, how did you market? How did you like analytically, tactically, you know, what, did, what steps did you take in order to make it a big thing besides having some heavy hitters right off the bat? Cause like you had some killer guests right away. And I thought that was so cool. So you had those audiences to build off of, but what did you yourself do or you, your team do to help build? Yeah, I think that's an awesome question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so the strategy that I took when I first started was um, I was going on all channels. So I started posting on Instagram and LinkedIn um, the same amount. I quickly realized that people were more interested on LinkedIn. So I literally like abandoned, abandoned my in Instagram page. I didn't even think about it anymore. <laughs> And yeah, yeah. I just focused everything on LinkedIn. And when I first started, I was getting like 30 likes, um, you know, 20 likes, even on big guests. And I was like embarrassed, like, oh my God, this isn't working. I quickly decided like, I need to be more proactive. So one of the strategies yeah. that I took is I took um, other influencers that had similar 
um, topics about self-improvement and, and uh, growing professionally. So for example, like Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, those type of people. And what I did is I looked at everybody who liked and commented on their posts. And anybody, especially comments, I think are worth more at people who comment. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would invite people who commented on those posts to connect. And I'll be transparent and I used an automation tool, um, which you shouldn't do anymore um, because LinkedIn can catch you. But back then <laughs> it was a free game. <laughs> so I used an automation tool and I would, and you can do this manually too. It will work just as well. It's just a little bit slower. And I scraped mm -hmm. everybody who commented or liked on the post and I would send them an invite and I'd say, Hey, what's up? My name is Hala. I noticed that you liked Gary V's content. Um, I have a podcast I know you notice you like Gary Vee's content. I have um, similar content and a podcast too, you know, hoping to provide value on your feed, looking forward to connect, right? So nine out of 10 people yeah. would accept those requests. And then I would uh, follow up with uh, another message, like giving some baseline um, information about my podcast, like what the topics we cover, who our latest guest was, what the episode covered, um, links to listen. And then I always asked for feedback because I wanted people to start a conversation okay. with me. Um, so once they responded, which usually a lot of times they did, they'd either say, thanks, thanks for sharing, or they'd respond back, hey, I listened and I thought this and that, it was amazing. Um, and I would just have a normal conversation with them and start a relationship with them. And then people would start commenting on my posts. So the, the best part about this is I gained new listeners very proactively. I would say, honestly, wow. like um, I can't really tell how many subscribers on Apple, but like on YouTube, for example, I just did a big push of this last week and I started messaging all my recent connections. Um, I messaged my last like 1,000 recent connections. I got like 60 new followers just on YouTube. You know, and oh, like that doesn't okay, sound like a yeah. lot, but like I, I I gave them a list of like 10 different platforms. So if I got 60 subscribers on YouTube, imagine how many more subscribers I got on the other platforms that are even more popular than YouTube. And so it's like people yeah. are really receptive. Like you can proactively message people. And when it's free, useful content and I strategically um, connect with people who would be interested in my content, it's a yeah. it's a it's a high ROI for your work. So that's what I did. I, I basically one on one grew my following. And then, um, you know, at a certain point, maybe like a year ago, I stopped doing that because I didn't need to do that anymore. And people just started yeah. to like, because um, they were engaging on my content, it just started getting pushed up in the feed. And then second connections and third connections would find me. Um, so that's one way being proactive. The other way is being really consistent with your content and having really good content. So I mm -hmm. would say that um, a lot of people who do podcasts, they have audiograms, right? But their audiograms yes. always look the same. They look exactly the same. Um, I know. Oh my and gosh, it's so yeah. stupid, right? It's it's like everybody just has like an image and then there's like a waveform and there's text going and the text highlights and like almost everybody's audiogram looks like that. And so I was like, I don't want, I don't want an audiogram that looks like that. I'm going to make something different. So I started off with these um, cartoons and I, I have, uh, I had a sponsorship with Fiverr and I ended up getting them on Fiverr and I, I made a relationship with a graphic designer who does them. And every time I had a new guest, I would get their cartoon made. And then, um, at the, this point, I never did video podcasts. It was just audio only. So I needed some way of having like who's speaking um, something dynamic in the video. And so I just started doing this like comic book style audiogram. And those really took off and, and those helped me stand out. Um, so I, did, I tried to do something different. One of the things that you want to do is you want to stand out in the feed. 
So how did I stand out? I stand, I stood out with my bright colors, like you said, my bright patterns, my cartoon images, and like that's how I launched off my brand. And then I started getting a lot of traction. What really brought me to the next level is once I started incorporating personal video. I realized that people not only wanted to hear about the podcast, they wanted to hear what I had to say. And people were interested in me as a personality. So I started doing more video content where people could see my face. I started to just do like selfie videos. And like then everything really started to blow up for me on YouTube once I started to do like showing my face a little bit more. Um, at first I was like kind of like behind the curtain and I was just like writing text posts and doing these audiograms with cartoons instead of my real face. And then I was like, you know what? I don't care if I look like shit today. I'm going to go on camera <laughs> and just be me. And people love authenticity, you know? Yeah. You know, I, right when you said the audiograms look the same, I, I like side with you. I like, as much as I love LinkedIn, as much as I love podcasts and the content they create, the audiograms, they are very similar. And something that I did, I don't even care. Like you can totally use this. I can show you what I do. It's really fun. I take audio clips. Um, and instead of making it to an audiogram, I make it into a video and I just use a bunch of uh, I like have a little title slide just to make sure it's like, oh, it's Ava or, oh, it's, you know, what I do. And then I use a bunch of stock footage uh, later on down the line. I would love to use a video from like my, my actual guests. Yeah. Um, but right now I use like the stock video in order to help show a story about what they're talking about. And like, I'll use the concept of like, oh, oh painting. Funny. And then I'll like, I'll like do a whole arc of like, it'll be about getting mentors to become better or something like simple. And it'll be this one girl and she's like doing spray paint on the side of the wall and like, oh, she's uneducated or something like that. And it looks like she's not a good artist. And then you have her painting with mentors and talking with friends about her artwork. And then at the end, you see like a similar girl or a similar guy, you know, making like a whole beautiful mural instead of That's like spray awesome. painting outside. So I, and like, I think doing those are so much fun because it's like, okay, I can tell a little bit of a story while kind of promoting my podcast. So yeah. it's something really fun that I've been testing out. I don't know how it's going to turn up because I, I'm still struggling with the algorithm a little bit, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a and lot I, of fun. And I would say to people out there, like what we're talking about is a lot of post-production. Some of my most mm -hmm. successful pieces of content on LinkedIn have been like done in five minutes. I just take a selfie video. I say what I want to say. And then it, it gets a thousand likes, you know? So it's like, you don't need so much time in post-production, but you do need to somehow stand out. So whether that's just through video, because LinkedIn doesn't have a lot of people just posting video or whether that's through bright colors, um, you know, you just want to stand out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Hala has beautiful themes. Like, so like, you know, you can use the themes to show. Yeah. Like the comic book style thing is really cool. And actually on the, so we were talking about, you know, the creation side, but interviewing is a whole process, Yeah, you know, being a great interviewer. And so for you, uh, you know, in your industry and you've had this, this killer experience down the line, what makes a great interviewer and how do you present yourself in front of your guests? What questions do you, not even what questions do you want to ask? Cause we talked about that, but how do you introduce yourself and make sure they feel comfortable things of that nature? Yeah. So when I first hop on the line with my guest, I usually tell them, you know, a little bit about my show. I tell them what my audience is like. I have mostly millennial listeners um, on the older side, mostly male, actually. I have like 80% male listeners, which is interesting. Um, and I tell them like, listen, I've done my research. Um, you don't have to go too long on, on questions because I've already done my research. I'm, I know I'm going to ask you follow-up questions. Um, I also, if there's something controversial that I'm going to ask them, I tell them before we start. Um, so for example, I interviewed Dean Graziosi and I wanted to ask him like, you know, how do you like, uh, he has a new wife, right? And he has an, an ex-wife. I wanted to ask him about his relationship, how he 
how he maintained his relationship with his ex-wife, but I wanted to make sure that he was comfortable with me asking that. Um, so like I'm anything that's a little bit controversial or that I feel like might like rub them the wrong way. I ask them in advance, like if it's okay. And usually they say, yeah, yeah, I'm an open book, no problem. And then they like respect me a little bit more for that. Um, the other thing that I like to do is during the interview, I like to listen. I'm, I'm definitely, um, my podcast isn't about me. I'm really trying to just like pull gems from my listeners. So I'm all about listening. Some people, some, some listeners don't like that. They're like, you need to talk more about yourself. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to do a little bit of both now, but, um, I really like to listen and give people their space to, to tell me because they're the experts They're the, you know, usually whoever I interview is like, you know, three levels above me. Like, and I know that their time is more valuable than mine. So I just like try to let them speak and listen. Um, and I like to give them the respect of doing my research. I think that's like the respectful thing to do. I think it's pretty disrespectful when podcasters have people people on. And I've been on podcasts where they haven't studied me one bit. And I'm like, okay, like, I'll just go off on my tangents because you haven't studied anything, you know? Um, so mm -hmm. like, you're doing a great job. And that's because you've done your research. So I think you've got a bright future ahead of you. Oh, thanks. I just think it's fun. Like I, I like to pull uh, fun things from people like Stephen Kotler, for example, everyone says like, oh, he's like this flow master and he is, but I like, I, I, I want to interview him soon. I'll get the opportunity to, but I really want to talk to him about his Chihuahua ranch. You know, <laughs> like he, uh, like he owns, like he has like 20 or 30 Chihuahuas that he just has a ranch for and it's his Chihuahua sanctuary. And I'm like, yeah, we can do neuroscience later, but like, I want to talk about the Chihuahua ranch. Like, I think that's, that's more so fun. Good. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I interviewed him. If you want an intro, I'm happy to, to intro you. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Actually, he's a really great family friend of ours. Oh, um, perfect. <laughs> so I've just been working up the confidence too. Cause I like, actually I talked to him at one point, it was about um, books, I, you know, cause I started to really get into neuroscience and I took some of his book recommendations and I said, Hey, what else do you have for me? And we had like a six minute conversation. He's like, okay, this, this, and this, I asked him about one of the books and he was like, that one's stupid. So don't read it. Like that neuroscientist <laughs> is wrong. And I was like, Oh shoot. But yeah, like he's, he like he's fantastic and i i love him but i would like I, like i would die like from intro from you would probably mean much happen. more to him yeah it's gonna happen <laughs> you don't need you my so help but it's gonna happen oh. <laughs> <laughs> actually something really cool um that i really loved about like your episodes now like fantastic your like first couple i think like first three or four episodes oh my gosh i could see all of your radio experience just come into fruition. You had like, it reminded me of Freakonomics. It reminded me of like NPR, of the whole chopping up interviews, having narration within it. It was so cool. And like, now that you are like, you have this big podcast and you have a team to help you, would you want to go back to that format um, of like interviewing multiple people at a time? Um, you know what? It was a really hard format, but now that I have a team, I might consider it. So to give everybody some, some context, you did kind of, it, you did a good job breaking it down. But my first three episodes would take me like a month long to put out because I would have to interview two to four guests. Like you said, chop it up, narrate in between. It was a ton of work and they're really hard topics. Like I talked about cryptocurrency for episode two and three when it was first coming out. So it was like really tough. It was like taking a college class to, to do those episodes. Like it was a lot of learning yeah. and all the research. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And now I'm like a crypto expert. At, I definitely need to brush up. It's been too long, but back then I like knew everything about it because I did that, those episodes. Um, but long story short, 
the way that I like how busy I am now, I still don't think I could go back to that format. It is so tough. At that point, I was working at Hewlett Packard. I was doing really well there. I was kind of coasting in that job in terms of like, it was just literally nine to five. And mentally, I was not drained every day. I had so much energy to do that side project because I, I was so comfortable with my job and it wasn't that challenging. I then decided to leave and go to Disney because it was more challenging. So now by the time I'm done with work, I'm like pretty mentally drained and I have so much to do and I have so much like I have to, my LinkedIn to keep up with and making sure that I get my podcast episodes out, even their regular interview style now. I feel like I can get just as much quality content with the style that I have, but in the future, I definitely want to have more podcasts. I definitely don't see myself working in corporate forever. I, I'm going to be an entrepreneur relatively soon. Once that happens, I'll probably have other shows. So like I might keep Young and Profiting as my guest interview show, but then I might have like other more like maybe a history show. Um, I, I recently interviewed Jason Pfeiffer. He has this show called The Pessimist Archive. And he talks, yeah, about, yeah. yeah, it's so cool. He talks, he he goes and just like has like a history lesson about why people resisted technology in the past. So like why people were afraid of the elevator and what people did to stop mm -hmm. being afraid of the elevator and like oh, that progression, right? Or like why people were afraid of bicycles. They thought that you were going to have bicycle face because you, you were going too fast and that your face was going to start, uh, you know, um, Slouching or, yeah, melting off. <laughs> and they were totally wrong, you yeah. know, and like, and it's like people are so scared of technology. So like, like something like mm -hmm. that, um, or mm -hmm. similar to what I did with my first three episodes, where I just like really broke down a topic and interviewed multiple experts and perspectives and tied that all together. I would definitely be interested in doing something like that, but I would have to be once I am an entrepreneur and podcasting is like my main focus. Yeah, that is. Like that is, oh, I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Like, you know, your, your style, your format. And even now you just have such a high quality and like, I could talk to you forever. I could talk to you for so long, but like, I, I want to, I want to stop it here just because I want to respect your time. Like where can everyone find you, your work, your podcast, reach out to you. Yeah. So, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's my main social media. Just search for my name. It's Hala Taha and I'm on Instagram at yap with Hala. And you can find my podcast everywhere. We're on Apple Podcasts is our biggest platform. We're a top 10 how-to and self-improvement podcast. So you can follow us there. Spotify, YouTube, um, Overcast, CastBox, iHeartRadio, we're everywhere. Um, just search for Young and Profiting and you'll find the podcast. We talk about um, productivity, self-improvement, the art of entrepreneurship and side hustles. So if that stuff interests you, um, please go check it out. Fantastic. And I hope they do. And like, and if you do, and you look at all this stuff, please let me know. Please tell me you saw her stuff because it's fantastic. And I respect her so much as a podcaster and an interviewer. She's fantastic. And Hala, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Ava. You did a great job. I'm really proud of you. And I hope to see your podcast really succeed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview series. I would love to know some of your best takeaways. You can find me easily on LinkedIn or Instagram just by searching Ava Wetrick, and I'll happily get back to you and have a conversation. If you really enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a rating in iTunes. That act will compound in ways that I can't even imagine. As you have just found a mentor here, go out into the world and see who you can be a mentor to today.